All right. How to improve your quality of life and reduce your taxes legally by, by living abroad. Great. Okay, so um, first, is there anyone here who is not living in his country of birth? Please raise your hand if you don't live in your country of birth. So if you are Portuguese, if you don't live in Portugal, raise your hand. Okay, interesting. So we, we'll, we'll talk about that today. Um, so uh, just one sec. Sorry. Okay. So something happened in 2020 uh, that everybody knows, right? It's COVID. COVID happened and it accelerated quite a few trends. One of the trends COVID accelerated is remote work because obviously people could not go to, the, to a physical office any, anymore. And so a lot of people had to work from home. And I will share with you like uh, the result of a recent survey in the US, like not one survey, it's like uh, six different surveys that ask people, hey, do you like to work remotely? And would you want to continue to work remotely? And as you can see on the screen right now, so all the red is people who want to work fully, like they don't want to go to an office anymore. All the answers in blue are people who would like at least one day of remote work every week, maybe more, maybe it's between one to four days a week. And people who want to go to the office like before, it's only like the like the gray, the gray spot, which is like, as you can see, very, very low. So we can safely say that today a lot of people want to continue to remote to work from home. And it's a trend that is going to accelerate. Now here is uh, another survey from the platform Upwork. So Upwork is a marketplace, the biggest marketplace in the world where you can find freelance everywhere in the world to work for your company. And uh, Upwork like ask their customers, so people like entrepreneurs, right? Who uh, want to, to hire freelancers. Uh, do you expect, what, what is the expected share of remote worker that will work fully remote in five years? And as you can see, it went from like maybe uh, from 38% before COVID to uh, 58%. So now a lot of entrepreneurs too expect that more than half of people in their team will work from home. And obviously uh, all the software uh, that is used to work remotely has been, uh, the, the, the use of them has, has been increased a lot since uh, COVID started. And there is someone you may know that was completely converted to remote working recently. I don't know if you know this guy. Does, do you know this guy? Does it ring a bell? You know? Yeah. So Ricardo used to be a very, very strong believer in physical office because uh, my company never had physical office, okay? We, I have a team of 25 people all over the world. We don't have an office. We don't have office hour. People can work from where, wherever they want, uh, whenever they want. And Ricardo was saying, no, but you understand a physical office is very important. Uh, a lot of things happen in the physical office. We'll never have the efficiency uh, of a team uh, or the team in one place when you work remotely. And he even had plans, I don't know if you know this, but Ricardo had big, big, big plans to extend his uh, physical office. Uh, he, here is a, a, like a, a 3D uh, construction from an architect, Ricardo paid to extend his office. I don't remember, Ricardo, what was the price of this uh, plan extension, but I think it was hundreds of thousands of euros. I don't know if you can uh, intervene or not, but I think it, it was very costly, right? And, and then, okay, so Ricardo showed, showed you the project. Thank yeah, you, Natalia. It, it was 168K. Okay, okay, 168,000 euros. So Ricardo was really planning to invest a lot in his physical office. And then COVID happened, nobody could go to the office anymore. And Ricardo, actually, he was very surprised by this, but he realized he really liked to work from home. 
wow, see, now he's a proud father at home working from his home office. And he realized actually that uh, it was okay for the whole team to work from home. And also sometimes you have some perks of working remotely, like you can work on the terrace and have a beer. At the same time, you are, you are working, which is, which is awesome. So this is really, uh, COVID really accelerated this trend of people working more and more remotely. And it converted quite a few people who were resistant about the idea like Ricardo. So what does this mean? Well, when we talk about remote work, most people think, ah, finally I can leave this uh, stressful city where I am. Uh, I can leave the pollution and live in the countryside and I will be happy. Well, great, but there is something else that remote working allows you to do that was not possible before. And just to show you one example of the atmosphere, let me show you something that happened last year. So here at the top, uh, top uh, left, there is like a tweet from a California, uh, Californian uh, elected official and who said on Twitter, fuck Elon Musk. I, I will not go into the details of what she said that. And the day, a day later, Elon Musk said, hey, thank you, message received. And just like a few months later, we learned that Elon Musk left California and moved to Texas. And just a few days ago, I don't know if you saw in the news, but it was also announced that Tesla moved its headquarters from California to Texas. So what does this mean? Well, it means this. So see someone tweeted, uh, oh, actually, so the, the move of the headquarters from Texas to California is actually uh, Elon Musk answering to these elected official. And Elon Musk said exactly. It means that now, today, someone who has a very, very, very industrial company, you know, Tesla uh, is building cars, you know, it's not like a company that is in the cloud, chose to, to change his place where he lives and the place where he will conduct business, not only because of this tweet, obviously, but for different reasons. And if someone who has a very industrial company can do that, my question for you is, what can you do if your company is entirely online? It's even easier, right? And the thing that most people don't think about when they think about remote work is that, yes, you can go to the countryside, but you can also go anywhere in the world that you want. Okay, you can go anywhere in the world. You are not tied to your country anymore. So what does this mean for you exactly? What are the benefits of this? Well, the benefits are growing and there is a trend now of more and more people uh, being digital nomad. So I don't know if you heard of this uh, expression before, digital nomad is basically someone who can conduct his business from anywhere. He doesn't have to be somewhere and he can just live everywhere he wants or he can just travel the world you know, uh, full-time or part-time. Me, for example, since 2011, I have been traveling the world six months a year on average. In 2015, I left France to go to live in London for three years. And then in 2018, I, I moved to Dubai where I'm still am. Of course, in 2020, I traveled a, bit, a little bit less because of COVID, but it's just one example of things possible. And as you can see here, more and more countries are uh, waking up to this fact, recognizing this trend, and they are uh, creating digital nomad visa. Because more, most digital nomads, when they go for, in a few months, for a few months in a country like Thailand, for example, or Brazil, uh, they just go on a tourist visa and they work. Technically, it's forbidden to do that because you're not supposed to work when you are in a tourist visa somewhere. But, you know, for digital nomads, governments, they don't care because you are not stealing the job of someone. But more and more countries are introducing these kind of digital nomad visas that are very easy to, to get. You just need to prove that you are a freelancer and you have customers or an entrepreneur and you have customers and you, you have the means to live in the country where you want to spend a few a bit of time. Uh, and it's not only that. Not only they allow you to uh, more easily move to their country because the paperwork is uh, less intense than before, but you have also more and more tax advantages for, for these. 
Just to give you a few examples in Europe, like in your backyard, you know, very close to your country. In Spain, as you know, Spain is not like the, the, more, uh, the most light uh, on tax in the world. It's a country where, where taxes are really high. Well, guess what? If you move to Spain, you have a 24% flat tax for newcomers. It's really low compared to the normal tax rates of Spain. So it just you drive a few hours from your home in Portugal, you go to Spain to live there, and maybe you can divide your uh, tax income by two, which is not too bad, right? Greece is 22.5. In Italy right now, you can pay between 5 to 12% depending on where you go in the country. You can live in a city like Rome or Florence and pay 12% of taxes. In Croatia, it's even better. It's 0%. Who wants to pay 0% tax? And in Portugal, in Portugal, well, it's very interesting because in Portugal, you have a, a special status that maybe you, you heard about. It's called the NHR. It means non-habitual resident status. And when you have these, you pay only 20% of tax. It's flat tax huh? for 10 years and even 0% for all the income you make outside of Portugal. But there is a catch. These brackets do not apply to classic residents and sometimes to national of the countries. So you, as a Portuguese national and someone who I think has been living a long time in Portugal, you cannot benefit from these statues in Portugal. But you can go to, to Spain, to Greece, to Italy, to Croatia, and take advantage of these uh, benefits. And in just the beginning, more and more countries are going to compete to attract people like you to go to live in their country and spend their money there. Because an increasing proportion of the population will be mobile and able to work from almost anywhere. And that is a big, 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 big change uh, over what was possible just a few years ago and let's say a few decades ago. More and more, people will do a rational analysis of the cost and benefits of different countries to choose where to live. Before, you couldn't choose really where you wanted to live. If you wanted to do business in Portugal, you had to, do, to live in Portugal. It was hard to do differently, right? Now, nowadays, it's not... Uh, it's not uh, mandatory anymore. You can do business in Portugal from anywhere in the world. And it's a big, big, big game changer. So as I said, many states will be motivated to create special conditions to attract these workers. And they already do. And you are free to take advantage of these. Now, Ricardo told me that a lot of you have like uh, brick and mortar businesses. And obviously, it's not as easy to do that when you have a physical business, even if it's, it's, it is possible in a way. But obviously, it's going to be easier and easier as you transition from a brick and mortar business to a fully digital business. And when you do that, suddenly, you are not limited anymore to your historical local place, but you have the world in the palm of your hand. Now, there is something important to consider if you want to move abroad and take advantage of better taxes. Each country has its own rules to determine who is tax resident. And these rules sometimes conflict. So yeah, Bruno says Dubai is 0% too, exactly. But there is a catch with Dubai when you are Portuguese. I will share what is the catch later. So you have to understand that each country has its own rules to, uh, to know if you, you have to pay taxes in the country or not. And sometimes the, the rules, they conflict because they are different. So as an example, I will share with you what are the tax rules in Portugal. So to be considered a tax resident in Portugal, you have to spend uh, more than 183 days in a year, right? In any 12-month period, okay? So it doesn't matter if you stay one month and then you, you, you move two months and then you come back from three months. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, if it's continuous or not. What matters is the total number of days. And if he's in Portugal for a shorter period, but he has on any day 
any day during the period mentioned in the previous paragraph, a norm under circumstances which imply his intention to keep and occupy uh, such home as a permanent resident. So very simple. Portugal rules are very simple. If you spend more than six months a year, like six months and one day a year in Portugal, you're a tax resident, or if you spend less time than these in Portugal, but you have a home, and this home uh, makes Portugal the, the, the center of your life, then you, you are a tax resident, okay? So it means if you don't have a home in Portugal and you spend less than six months a year in Portugal, you're not a tax resident anymore. And you, you can go in another country and pay your taxes there, which means you can actually spend five months and 29 days a year in Portugal still and not pay your taxes there, right? So this is just one example. Portugal rules are very simple. Now I will show you what are the rules for the United Kingdom. Just I, I could have chosen any country, right? But the UK is like this. So as you can see, well, it's a little bit more complicated, but it's also uh, more precise. And moreover, the fiscal year in the UK is from April 6th to April 5th of the following year. Why? Because, why not? We are British, we like to do things differently, you know? Uh, so I have a question for you, uh, and I will check in the, in the comment section who is the person who gives me the first right answer. Given these criteria, is it possible to be in a situation where both Portugal and the UK consider you as a taxed resident? So is it possible that, for example, you spend a bit of time every year in Portugal, you spend a bit of time every year in the UK, and because of this, the UK and Portugal think you need to pay your taxes in UK and in Portugal? Is it possible? So yes, actually, Anna say yes, I think so. Absolutely, absolutely. It is possible to be in a situation when you have both countries thinking you need to pay your taxi there. So as an example, I spend 190 days a year in Portugal, but my family lives in the UK. In this case, when you look at the rules in Portugal and the, the rules in the UK, both countries will think you need to pay your taxes in their country, in the country. Or another example, I have a house and I spend 30 days a year in the UK, and I spend the rest of the day in Portugal. Well, in this case also, the UK will think you need to pay your taxes in the UK, and Portugal will think you need to pay your taxes in, uh, in Portugal. So now, what do you think will happen? Do you think you need to pay your taxes in Portugal and in the UK? Imagine if you had to do that you could earn 100 euros and pay 150 euros of taxes, right? So in order to avoid double taxation, states have designed agreements with each other to deal with this type of case. It's called uh, uh, non-double taxation treaties or taxation treaties, okay? And these treaties examine a set of criteria to determine, to, to see which country the person is a tax resident in. So this is just an example with a Portugal-UK treaty, okay? You can find easily all the tax treaties that Portugal uh, signed with all the other countries by uh, looking for them on Google, right? So just to give you an example, what happens if both UK and Portugal want your taxes? Well, they look at the treaty and the treaty says that. First, we will see where is the permanent home of the resident. And by permanent home, they say like basically uh, the, the home where you spend the most of the time. So if you have a home in the UK and you spend 30 days in the UK and you have a home in Portugal and you spend 100 days, they will say, okay, so you, this guy pays his taxes in Portugal, not in the UK, it's fine. If you have a home in both countries and you spend exactly the same amount of time there, then they look at another criteria, which is the center of vital interest. It's basically where the personal and economic relations are closest. 
Okay, so it's a bit, it's not super objective, it's kind of subjective, but they will look like where uh, his family is, where his friends are. Uh, does he have more connection with Portugal or the UK? Where uh, does he go to the theater? Where does he go to the opera? Uh, where does he have subscription to a, a sport club, for example? You know, these, these kind of things, right? And if it's exactly the same in both countries, then they will look at the country where the resident spends most of his time. And if you spend exactly the same amount of time in two countries, then they, they look at your nationality. And if you have the same nationality, you have a, a UK passport and a Portuguese passport, then uh, they do a mutual agreement, right? So you have to understand, there are always, always two layers. First, you have the rules of the country you are living, then the, and, and the rules of the country you are going to. That's the first layer. And if the rules don't agree and they consider both uh, of, of, of them consider you a tax resident, they look at the tax treaty. And the tax treaty can cancel the rules of one country. Okay, so it is also possible to completely hack the system, spend most of your time in Portugal and still not pay taxes there if you know how to uh, use a treaty to your advantage. Okay, so I will uh, share with you just a few exercises to be sure you understood right. Okay, so first exercise, you live in Portugal and have a house there. You travel seven months a year to about 10 countries. Time spent in Portugal, five months per year. Okay? Questions. Are you a tax resident in Portugal? So, considering everything I shared... Yeah, exactly, Bruno. Exactly. You are a tax resident. Why? Because one of the rules is, you remember, even if you don't spend six months a year in Portugal, if you have a house there and it's considered like your permanent home, like the, the, the home you're coming back all the time, you are a tax resident. So yes, you are a tax resident, absolutely. Even though you don't spend six months a year in Portugal, okay? Another question. Can you appeal to a treaty with another country? And if so, does this treaty allow, allow you to no longer be a tax resident in Portugal? I, it, it is more a tricky question, okay? Can you use the treaty of another country to no longer be a tax resident in Portugal. So Sofia says yes, okay. Philippa, uh, David says no, all right. <laughs> so the answer is it depends, okay. But probably not, probably not. Why? Because you travel seven months a year in 10 countries, which means it doesn't seem possible that you spend more time in a country, in another country than in Portugal, right? So now you need to look at the rules of all the countries you're traveling to, and maybe one of the rules will make you a tax resident, and then you look at the treaty with Portugal. But usually in the tax treaties, they say, uh, hey, we look where the guy really lives, okay? And in this case, you really live in Portugal, and, you use, and you're traveling from Portugal. So there is a small chance you can use a tax treaty, but in this case, it's unlikely, okay? Unlikely. So Natalia says, sell your house in Portugal. Exactly, you understand, you understand exactly. If you sell your house in Portugal, then it becomes harder for Portugal to say your tax resident. Absolutely, Natalia. I see you, you're, you're already understanding how you, can, um, how you can hack the system. Okay, another exercise. You live in the UK, and you have your only flat there, okay? You travel eight months a year to about five countries a year, and you spend a lot of time in Portugal. Five months per year in Portugal, four months per year in the UK. So you spend more time in Portugal than time in the UK in the year, okay? Questions. Are you a tax resident in Portugal? Are you a tax resident in Portugal in this case? Hello. So Natalia says yes. Okay. Well, actually, no, exactly, Bruno. Considering the rules I shared with you previously, you are not a tax resident in Portugal. But still, you spend more time in Portugal than in the UK. You understand? So 
I'm sharing this with you because a lot of people have misconceptions about this concept of tax residencies. You will uh, hear a lot of people telling you, oh, as long as you don't spend six months a year in a country, it's fine. It depends, as, you, as, as I share with you. And you always want to look at the rules of the countries you are considering uh, and the tax treaties, okay? Uh, and even if you would be considered a tax resident in Portugal, you could use the UK, uh, the treaty between UK and Portugal to not be considered a tax resident in Portugal, okay? So I hope it is clear. So always understand there are two layers, all right? Two layers. Oh, and Bruno is saying something very interesting. He says, I'm glad my house is not in my name. Well, beware of this because uh, the tax authorities, they can investigate, okay? And I don't know, I just look at the general rules. I don't know what is the jurisprudence, you know, what are the judge are saying, are saying in, the, in the trials, right? But maybe the tax authority of Portugal could say, hey, your house is not in your name, but it's actually your house. I don't know, okay? You need to be careful about this, all right? Um, so this is great. And I, I think maybe some of you already can see all the possibilities uh, that are open to you. But I have some bad news to share. Unfortunately, I have some bad news to share. If you are Portuguese, you are not as free as, let's say, I don't know, like a German or a British to move everywhere you want or French. So why? Because there is also another rule in the rules of tax residency in Portugal. So this rule is the following. I just put it on the screen. An individual, an individual will be qualified as a resident of Portugal if he is a Portuguese national, so if he has a citizenship of Portugal, okay, which is the case for most of you, I think, who moves his residency, his residence for tax purposes to a country, territory, or region subject to a clearly more favorable tax regime. What does it mean? It means if you are a Portuguese uh, citizen, and you move to a tax haven, it doesn't work. I mean, it works, you can move to the tax haven, no problem, but you will have to pay your taxes in Portugal for the next five years after you move, okay? No matter what. So, uh, there is actually a list of these countries that you can uh, check on the tax, the website of the Portuguese tax authorities. Uh, there is a list. As you can see, you have quite a few countries where you cannot go immediately, right? And one of them is, I don't know where it is, uh, it is, it is um, UAE, United Arab Emirates, where Dubai is, right? So someone was mentioning uh, Dubai, like previously, but if you are Portuguese, you live in Portugal and you go to Dubai, you will have to pay your taxes in Portugal for five years, okay? That's the bad news. But don't feel too bad about that. For example, this doesn't exist in Germany or in France. These also exist in Spain or Italy. So it depends on the countries, okay? But don't feel bad. It's not the worst uh, case possible. The worst case possible is if you are American. If you are a US citizen, you need to pay your taxes in the US no matter where you live. You, you, the only way to escape these is uh, to renounce your citizenship, to not be an American anymore. So that's the bad news. You don't have the same flexibility as uh, other city, uh, nationalities, but it's not too bad, actually. The, the list is, is really, okay, that, that's here. Emirat, Emiratos Arabes Unidos, okay? Uh, it's 22nd it's on the list. So, it's a, it's a big list, but you know, a lot of countries are not in the list. So you still have plenty of possibilities, way more than a US citizen, okay? Also, you will not see any EU country in this list. There is no EU country in this list. Why? Because it's not compatible with the freedom of circulation in the EU, okay? Portugal will never be able to put a EU country in this list. It's contrary to the treaties uh, of, of, of Europe, okay? Also, I didn't check, but if there is a tax treaty between Portugal and one of the countries of the list, the tax treaty has priority, okay? The tax treaty will always have priority over the local rules. 
There is the local rules and the tax treaty is always above. Okay, always above. And remember, I shared with you previously, uh, there are a lot of incentives in, in Europe already. Okay, you can go to Spain, to Greece, to Italy, to Croatia and pay way less taxes and it's not in the list. Okay, so just understand the, the world is, is your oyster, is in your palm, but maybe not as much as a German guy, but still, you have plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunities. And of course, it's not only about taxes. I, I will come back to that uh, just after. So this is for a personal uh, point of view. It's for your personal taxes, okay, your personal income. Now let's talk about the company. So I have a question for you. If you live in Portugal, can you own a pub, a bar in London? Is it allowed? Are you? Uh, is it allowed? Is it legal for you to buy a pub, a bar in London? Yes or no? Absolutely, Bruno. Yes, it is. There are two Brunos competing to competing to to be the first one to answer. Absolutely. You can buy a bar in London. There is no problem or any business in the UK or in most countries, actually. No question. If you live in Portugal, you are the owner of a bar in London. Where does that pub pay tax? Where does that pub pay tax? Does the pub pay taxes in uh, the UK or in Portugal? Yes, exactly. So pub pay taxes in the UK. Now, the pub pays corporate tax on its corporate income. Now, what happens about the personal income, the salary that the pub is paying you? Okay? Exactly, Natalia. The personal salary that the pub is paying you, you will pay the taxes on this in Portugal. Okay? So understand the difference. But also it depends. It depends on the rules of the two countries and of the tax treaty. Sometimes the country where the business is will take uh, um, like a small tax, like maybe 5, 10, 20%. And the country where uh, the money is received will take the rest. Like they will, they will uh, remove the, 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 the percentage that was paid to, and you will pay the rest of taxes there. It depends. Okay, it depends. Now, if you live in Portugal and you have a property construction company in Dubai, it's the same, right? The company will be tax-free in Dubai, but uh, the salary or dividends it will pay you will be taxed in Portugal, right? Now, tricky question. Imagine you create a company in Dubai with no office and no employee, a shell company, an empty business, and you manage this company, this Dubai company from Portugal. What happens then? Does it mean this company is, is tax-free or not? If you create a company in Dubai and manage it from Portugal, because you can do that with the internet now, you don't need, I mean, you don't need to put, to, put, uh, to have your company where you live, right? Well, David says, yes, it's tax-free. Well, no, actually, because it will be too easy. Imagine. If you could just stay in your country and create a business in Hong Kong or Dubai or, you know, in a tax haven and don't pay taxes, everyone will do it. So most developed countries have put in place rules to prevent everyone from taking advantage of the last case. It's called CFC rules, Control Foreign Corporations. Okay, so what does it mean? It means the company is declared to be tax resident where the management is located, okay? Where the value is created. So, for example, a Portuguese influencer who, who lives in Portugal, right? Who creates an empty company in Dubai that he managed from Portugal, what he does legally, he creates a Dubai company that has to pay his taxes in Portugal. You understand? Even if it's a digital business, David, it's the same. They are looking where the value is created. If you create your company in Dubai and you live in Portugal, you, and this company has no employee, obviously, the, the, and you are the only owner, right? Obviously, the value is created in Portugal. 
So the, the company will be considered tax resident in Portugal, even if it's created in Dubai, it doesn't matter. Okay? And be very careful about this. If you don't declare this company and its income to the Portuguese tax authorities, it is aggravated tax fraud. I didn't look at the, the sanction and the fees and the fines and maybe the jail uh, penalties, but it can be very, very harsh. Okay? So, rule of thumb, put your business where you live unless there is no CFC rule in the country where you are going. And more and more uh, countries have these kind of rules. In Dubai, you can live in Dubai and put your company elsewhere. They don't care because there is no tax. Okay? But more and more countries have these kind of rules. Now, it's totally legal to create your business in Dubai when you live in, in Portugal and declare it to the tax authorities. It's fine. Okay? But, I mean, there is no big advantage of this except to protect yourself. I will, I will uh, come back to that later. Um, so I, I see there are a lot of questions. Maybe I will answer later. Um, and if you did it in reverse order, like you I mean you live in Portugal and you put your business in uh, in uh, in Portugal, uh, you live in Dubai and you live you put your business in Portugal. So in this case, it will be considered a tax resident in Dubai. But why would you want to, would you want to do that? Just create a company in Dubai. Okay, it's easier. And as a Portuguese, you need to be careful because if you go to live in Dubai, sorry, I have the, the cat who, who is going to. Oh, work on the keyboard, which is a bad idea. So, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, uh, you need to be careful about that. You 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 want to avoid a situation where where the tax authority of your country you are living can investigate you. Okay. Uh, also, understand the concept of permanent establishment. Okay. So this is the old. It's a, a very old rule from before the internet, but. Long story short, if you have a company in Dubai or in Estonia or in the UK, anywhere in the world that has an employee with an office in Portugal, it will create a permanent establishment in Portugal. Okay, so let's say you, you go to live in London, you create a UK business and you hire an employee in Portugal to work for this business. If you do this, you will create an, a permanent establishment in Portugal, even if there is no uh, official company. You understand what I mean? It's like a legal concept and a tax concept. What does it mean for, for taxation? It means the Portuguese tax authorities will be, will be able to tax the permanent establishment in Portugal, but only for the added value brought by this employee. Okay? They will not be able to tax the whole business because you, as the manager of the business in the UK, you will create most of the value, but the employee in Portugal will create some value. And the Portuguese tax author authorities will be able to say, hey, we will tax the value this guy is generating because, sorry, it's a permanent establishment in Portugal. Okay? And obviously, this can be very, very subjective. It's very, it can be very hard to say exactly what is the value generated by one employee or even a, a few employees somewhere, right? But usually, you can uh, trust the tax authorities to not give you any gift and make sure you pay as maximum tax as, 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 as you can, okay? Um, it's the same thing if you live in Portugal and hire someone abroad, okay? But these, uh, these doesn't apply if you have freelancers. Okay, if you work with companies, including freelancers, it doesn't apply. It applies only if you have employees. Okay, so is it clear? If not, I will answer the question just later. So th this is just to give you the basic rules. And I'm sure I saw already in the comments that a few of you already uh, are seeing all the ways that you can, you can, you can hack the system. There are many ways to, to like, uh, choose a, a country that you like and uh, pay less taxes and enjoy your life, okay? But to go further, there is a hack, there is a hack of the hack. The Six Flags Theory. Now, what is this be the Six Flags Theory? Well, most people are one country only. What does, that, what does it mean? Well, most people are born in one country. Well, everyone is born in one country. That is for sure. Then they get educated in this country. 
They speak the language of this country. They work in this country. They invest in this country. They uh, retire in this country and they die in this country. They do everything in one country. Most people are like that. You just need to look around you to see this. It's true. And most people only speak the language of their country also. So the Six Flag Theory completely breaks this model, okay? Because the Six Flags Theory is, like, is the theory that you will uh, separate your assets. You will, you will put your asset in different countries, in different jurisdictions. So the theory is the following. First, you have the flag of your nationality, okay? And theoretically, you don't want to put anything in your country of nationality. Why? Because it is the country that will always take you for granted, always. As a successful entrepreneur, a lot of countries, and I share with you some examples already, will uh, put the, the red carpet to welcome you and will give you special, special uh, tax privileges and special visas just to welcome you because they want your business. But your country will, will always see you as a given. And you can see it. In Portugal, you have these special status that only apply to people who are not Portuguese. It means Portugal is trying to bring people in Portugal, but they don't try to, to, to make you stay, you see? And it's a common human um, bias that we always take for granted what we have, and we're always looking for something more, something different, okay? So ideally, you have nothing in your country of nationality. Then you have the country where you put your personal residence. Then you have your country where you put your business. Then you have the country, the countries where you spend your time. Then you have the countries where you, you put your investment. And then you have your, the countries where you put your digital assets. And theoretically, everything should be separated. Everything. But it's theoretically, okay? I talked to a lot of people who use the Six Flag Theory. I met absolutely nobody who is following exactly by the book. Okay, everyone more or less follow it. And I'm one of the examples. I follow it, but not completely 100%. So let me show you what I'm doing exactly. So nationality, I'm French. I'm a resident in Dubai. I have a business in Dubai. So in this case, I don't follow the rule of putting my business as here, but I also have a business in Estonia because I, I have a business in the EU, in the Eurozone, and it's easier for some things, for some transactions. I spend more or less six months a year traveling, okay? I have investment in France. So these here, I don't respect the rule of not having anything in my country of nationality. I have investment in France, but also in Ireland, in Canada, in the US. And my digital assets, so what does it mean? Like my uh, websites, where, where they are hosted, where is my email provider, uh, you know, all these kind of things. They are in Iceland, in Switzerland, in the US, in Canada, okay? So the idea is to try to separate as much as you can between different jurisdictions. Now, you will ask me, but Olivier, what is the point of doing that? It seems like to be like a lot of work. Well, first, it's not a lot of work. It's just a mindset. Once you have the mindset, it doesn't take more time to do it. Not anymore, not with the internet. It's easy to, I mean, of course, to, to move to another country takes a bit of time, you know, and of, uh, uh, you need to want it. But it's easy to uh, invest in other places than your own country. It's easy to put, uh, to choose a, a, an email provider that is in Switzerland and not in your country, et cetera, et cetera, okay? Uh, and the, one of the, the biggest advantage is the following. If one day there is a hater, these guys, he looks very hungry, right? This guy wakes up one day, he watch one of your videos or he read one of your articles, he stumble upon something you did on the internet. And he's like, this guy is awful. I want to, I hate this guy. I want to destroy him, okay? It can be a customer. It can be uh, someone who just don't like you. It can be someone in the government. It can be someone in the tax authorities who can audit you, okay? 
It can be someone who wants to do a legal case against you. Okay, well, if you have everything in the same country, these happen. So here on the right column is the motivation of the guy when he wakes up and he discovers your video and he just hates you. And on the left is the complexity of going after you. His motivation is higher than the complexity to go after you because you have everything in your in your in your in the same country. Okay. And someone in the Portuguese tax authority, he pushes a button, he knows everything about your life if you are a single country guy. Okay. If you use a six flags theory, well, these happen. The complexity of going after you is so high that it's above his motivation. It doesn't mean you nobody can reach you. Okay, if you start to sell drugs and the FBI wants your head, you are not safe. Okay, that is for sure. But what does it mean is suddenly the threshold to go after you and to, to, to do something bad to you is much higher. It's, it becomes harder to go after you. And this is an asymmetrical thing, okay? Why? Because it is easy for you when you have the right mindset and you know how to do it. It is easy for you to use this facts flag theory to separate everything. It doesn't take much more time. But it, it becomes super hard for someone to go after you. You understand this? To attack you. It is harder. So it is easy for you and it is harder for, for, for the other people. So there is no reason to not do it if you have the right mindset. Okay? Uh, so as I said, it doesn't require more time. It's just a question of mindset and habits. Obviously, you can choose to move abroad, to live abroad without using the, the, the six-pack theory, right? It's just a hack. I'm just sharing it uh, just in case it interests some people. Uh, but obviously, you don't have to do it, okay? Just think about it. And as a parenthesis, if you, you listen to people who are um, uh, adv advisors in investment, Often, they will tell you it's important to not put all your investment in the same basket. You don't want to put all your eggs in the same basket, and they are right. But when you look at what most of these advisors do, they have a blind spot. What is this blind spot? All of the, uh, their investments are in the same country, in the same currency, in the same legal zone. And it's a blind spot. They don't see it, but they actually put all their eggs in the same basket. So at least try in your investment to put your investment in different uh, legal zones, in different currencies, okay? And in countries that are not your country. It's like the 2080 of the six-pack theory. And of course, I focus here on uh, the tax advantages you can gain and also the security you can gain by moving abroad. But there are many, 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 many advantages to living abroad. It opened your mind big time. You know, all these people who are one country guys, they don't realize it, but they cannot escape a certain level of close-mindedness. Even if they are super open, if they are super educated, if uh, they are curious, if you live in only one country and you do most of the, your things in one country, there is something you are missing and you don't see it. Because you, you're always swimming in the same pool. You know what I mean? You don't know that there is an ocean out there with a lot of different things. So when you start to travel and to live abroad too, you discover that a lot of things that in your culture, everyone think it's, it's true and it's right. Well, in other cultures, they think it's false or it's not good. And the contrary also. And so it gives you more freedom to choose what is good and bad in your culture? Of course, not everything is, uh, is bad in your culture, but you cannot really choose freely what is good or not in all the things that your culture gave you if you don't escape from your culture to see what is going on elsewhere, okay? So it gives you a lot of uh, open-mindedness. Then, uh, of course, there is languages learning. It is so important today to not be confined to one language. And it is the best gift you can give to your children. In the 21st century, people who will speak one language 
will be like illiterate people in, in, at the end of the 19th century, right? They will have a big disadvantage. To speak one language today is the same as being illiterate a few decades ago. It is the same. Okay, and I will say to be one country guy, it, it, it will be the same soon. And I have a friend who lives in Lisbon, he's French, uh, and he's, he has two kids. He has a, a British nanny at home. So what does it mean? It means he speaks French to, to, to his kids, the British nanny speaks English to them, and the kids go to a Portuguese school. And what it means, it means at six years old, his kids are trilingual at six years old. Can you imagine the gift you are giving to your kids if you do that? It is the biggest, the best gift possible because they are learning a difficult skill with no effort. They will not remember the effort it took them to learn a language. And you know to, that learning a language is hard, right? But if you learn it as a kid, it's not hard, it's easy. And also it means his kids will speak with a correct accent for their whole life, which is amazing. I speak English with a big French accent. Maybe you notice. Quando eu falo português, tenho um sotaque francês também. Tá bom? Talvez é fofo, mas é um sotaque. If I will have learned as uh, a kid, I will speak Portuguese perfectly, right? So think of this. It's also a great gift for your kids. It's also the big advantage of living an adventure, okay? It's so interesting and exciting to go to live in another country. You can also improve the quality of your life. You can go to a country where, for example, the cost of living is less. Of course, you, you, can, you can pay less taxes too, or the, the weather is better. Now, I know that Portugal has the best weather in the world, so it's hard to go somewhere with the best weather. But maybe you like tropical island. Maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe you like uh, mountains. I don't know. You know, maybe you can find a country where you, you, you like the geography more. And of course, potentially, you can lower your taxes. And it's also something very important I want to point, okay? I focus on the taxes and the protection, but it's obviously, it's just one parameter. I really advise you to not go to a country you hate just to pay less taxes. It's completely stupid, okay? Never do this. But as you understand, it is possible to find a country that you will like, that, where you will love to learn the language, that will be an, an amazing, exciting adventure for you to discover and where you will pay less taxes. So in this case, why not do it? Well, 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 my intelligent rebels. Thank you for listening. You are still here, which means you are part of the 15%, the 10%, the 5%, maybe the 2% of people who manage to listen until the end. So you are part of the most motivated listeners. Thank you for this and congrats. Now, would you like to share the love about this podcast if you like it? If yes, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Spotify. It will mean the world for me because it will motivate me to continue to create content to help you create your own adventure in life. And it will help spread the word and reach more intelligent rebels and help them also create their own adventure in life. Thank you in advance if you do it and see you soon. Bye-bye.